God grant that your word only may be spoken, that your word only may be heard, for Christ's sake. Amen. We are solidly in the season of Epiphany. The theme of the season of Epiphany is showing forth. We had Advent, of course, where the theme was preparing, preparing for the coming of Jesus. And then Christmas, the incarnation, the Word made flesh. But we are now in Epiphany, the showing forth time the showing forth of Jesus in our lives. This year in the lectionary, we'll hear from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for a good bit of the season. A couple of weeks ago, last week, today. These oral readings are from the fifth chapter of Matthew, and in this extended teaching, Jesus is going to show us what he called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Today we tend to call it God's world. And Jesus teaches about God's world, not just in the future, but also in the present. In the future, God will set up a world like this. And Jesus tells us what that world will be like. But Jesus also tells us that we will know about this new world in the present age. So if you listen closely to the Sermon on the Mount, you'll see that Jesus is giving us a character sketch of the kind of people whose lives will reflect God's world as they walk around in their lives. So we heard him talk about salt and light, and then the outward focus of God's people to be light to the world, people who shine light into the darkness of the world. But then the question for me comes up, but how will the people of the world know that they're doing it right? What does the life of a disciple in God's world actually look like in practical terms? And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount piece we heard today, gets very specific about these very things. There are rules. Now, we're all familiar with rules. We're Episcopalians. We love rules. But when we were toddlers, one of the first words that we learned was no. Now, we learned it from our parents, but then we certainly translated it into our own language. That's how we set boundaries. No, you can't touch that. No, you can't put your applesauce on the cat. When we moved on and went to school, in elementary school, we probably noticed that the rules were now written down. We've just learned to read. And they're probably posted on the wall. So there's a rule like no chewing gum, for example. Now, as children develop, they learn their own minds and how to set their own boundaries or break others. So maybe a fifth grader sees a sign that says no chewing gum. I see her with chewing gum in her mouth and say, no chewing gum. And she says, well, I'm not chewing it. It's just in my mouth. The literal interpretation of the rule. 
So even into adulthood, moving into the workplace, there's going to be rules or codes that we need to follow. Now, just because you can challenge a rule, that doesn't mean that rules aren't important. It's just that rules alone are not enough. An ethical person not only understands the rules and obeys the rules, but they understand the reasons behind it, the purpose behind it, the spirit of the law. So when Jesus set out to tell us what the rules are in God's new world, he didn't throw out the old rules, the rules that God gave Moses in stone. Instead, he fulfilled those rules. So he embodied them, and he taught them with authority. So for Jesus, the rules were still important. But the principles behind the rules were even more important. It wasn't about what was written in stone. It was about the character of God written on the human heart. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees knew the law backwards and forwards. They were bound and determined to make sure that everyone obeyed the law, the letter of the law. And the scribes acted as kind of like lawyers for Moses' law, and they believed that God's kingdom would only come when everyone obeyed the laws perfectly. So the problem with that approach was that focusing on the law by itself limited obedience because I could just say, I'm not chewing gum. It's just in my mouth. But the Pharisees judged people and themselves based on compliance to the letter of the rule. And this is why what Jesus said was, was such a bomb that he dropped on the people. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So if the people thought the scribes and the Pharisees had it all together and obeyed the law to the letter, then they were missing the point. The law points to something bigger, Jesus says. It points to a way of living as a community in a new world. So he's ready to teach the disciples all about this, these new rules and how do you get to the spirit of the law beyond the letter. And he established a pattern in how he talked to them that day. So he'd say something like this. You have heard it was said, and he'd say a law, but I tell you now, and it would be different. He would get right to the spirit, the root, the radical root of the law. So Jesus is rooted in the law, but he, he expects disciples to have much deeper rootedness. He was more concerned about the heart than the letter of the law. So for example, you have heard it was said in ancient times, you shall not murder. But I tell you now, if you have anger in your heart, you are guilty. The difference between the following the rule and engaging a relationship, that's what he was after. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, if they strike you on your right cheek, turn your left one. If they take your cloak, give them your coat. If they tell you to walk two miles, walk four. 
Give to the one who asks and don't refuse. There is a new rule in the kingdom of God. And again, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Love your enemies. Pray for those who hate you. Now in these verses, back and forth, the ethical pattern for the people of the world emerges. Our, our disciple nature is being described. It's a pattern that goes beyond the letter of the law to the spirit of the law, beyond what we do with our hands or bodies to who we are in our hearts. But Jesus establishes here that his followers are more than people who just don't do murder, don't do violence, and don't hate, and only love people who deserve it. Our behavior needs to come from a pure heart. So we are to look inward, he says, to learn what it means to live. Look inward and not outward. Now, I don't know if you remember those wristbands we had in the 1990s. They're little elastic wristbands kids wear. This particular one said WWJD on it. What would Jesus do? Okay, we wore them in youth group. Christian churches gave them out to teenagers. We'd hope you would, when you're facing with a decision of whether to cut class or go have a smoke behind the garage, that you would look at your wristband and say, what would Jesus do? And make a decision based on that. Now, of course, there are people who made fun of them. You have to admit, I once saw a comic, one panel comic, across the top it said, Jesus in a dilemma. And the comic has a picture of Jesus looking at his wrist, <laughs> and it says, what would I do? <laughs> but what would Jesus do? A way to find out how do we live in this world? So as I was thinking of it, it occurred to me that I should watch, again, a movie that I remembered called Dead Man Walking. Saw it when it first came out in 1995, very difficult movie. But I wanted to see it again because something clicked in me when I heard, what would Jesus do? And that movie came to mind. You may remember the character of Sister Helen Prejean shows herself as a true disciple of Jesus, somebody who practices what she believes, unconditional love, she lived among people who were very poor. She cared for everyone, no matter what. And the focus of her unconditional love in this story is her walk with Matthew Poncelet, a convicted murderer who is on death row. He is um, convicted of a particularly violent, degrading murder of a teenage couple in Louisiana. And he's guilty, found guilty, charged, sentenced to death and on death row in Angola prison. And Sister Helen is his advisor, spiritual advisor. Now, Matthew Poncelet is a very totally evil, completely unsympathetic character. He's not only a murderer and a liar, but his story shows that he's a white supremacist, believes in the inferiority of women, has no compassion that you can see for any of his fellow human beings. 
But what I found in this movie was an honest betrayal of both the most depraved violent crime and the steadfast love of Sister Helen. She was, by the way, constantly criticized for being the spiritual advisor to such a person. She was criticized by officials, by protesters outside the gates of the prison, by the prison chaplain, who was a priest. And it was clear that her commitment to show love and care to this unquestionably undeserving person took a toll on her. But she kept extending the love of Jesus over and over again in the face of all these obstacles. Nobody around her believed in love for a depraved enemy. The story showed me that Jesus' unconditional love is something far beyond human love, very rare, but maybe not impossible for humans to demonstrate. Now, sometimes I find myself feeling very proud of myself for seeking out and serving the kinds of people that Jesus wants me to seek out and serve. Hungry, homeless, refugees, the widow, the orphan. But the gospel today challenged me to wonder, how can we possibly love the truly unlovable? Now, I give food to my food pantry. I support the Salvation Army and their work with homeless people. I, just last week, I sent money to Episcopal Relief and Development for Turkey and Syrian people who have had a terrible earthquake. My husband and I are foster parents. But when it comes to the kind of love shown to people who don't deserve it, I am a failure. Well, there's, there's good news and bad news in this. The bad news is I'm not God, so I'm not capable of that kind of love. The good news is I'm not God. But through God working in me, it's possible that I might, for a minute or two someday, show that kind of love. So who is it? these days that needs that kind of love. Police officers who beat a man to death. Pedophiles who prey on children. A mom or dad who takes out their frustration on their children by hurting them. Also hear this. The consequences of those actions, whether it's life imprisonment, removal of children, are necessary for whatever justice we can do. And I cannot get my mind off of that love. This is what Sister Helen said to one of her critics when they asked her, how can you sit with such scum? Every person is worth more than their worst act. What I pray for is a way for all of us to see Jesus' love beyond what we can humanly understand it to be. O oh God, the Father of all, 
whose son commanded us to love our enemies. Lead them and us from prejudice to truth. Deliver them and us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.